0: Hi, I'm Tom Hansen.
1: And I'm Kat Hansen. In 2014, our son Harding was diagnosed with congenital heart disease. And since then, we have experienced the ups and downs that come along with being a CHD parent. In this podcast, we share some of the lessons we've learned along the way and the things we wish we knew at the start of our journey.
0: In each episode, we also chat with CHD experts to get their stories of hope, encouraging insights, and valuable resources to give parents like us the right help at the right time. This is the Hope and Courage podcast. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today we're talking to Letitia Alosius. She is a 21-year-old student at Baylor University. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's studying public health and occupational therapy, and she's also a heart warrior.
1: Yeah, she has just such an incredible story. I mean, all these heart warriors really do, right? They're just, they're warriors. They're so awesome, but... Leticia is so sweet, and she has uh, just this really great outlook on life and everything that she's been through and just the purpose behind it. We really love talking to her.
0: Yeah, if you are a parent who is early in the CHD journey with your child, maybe you just got diagnosed or maybe you're in those early stages of, of those uh, surgeries, you're going to want to listen to this. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just listening to it and, and thinking, man, I wish... I had this when we were early on, because I think so often one of the things that gives us the most hope and courage is just listening to a story. It may not be the same outcome, the same diagnosis or all of that, but just knowing that there's this amazing person out there that went through multiple heart surgeries, who's living with a single ventricle heart anatomy and living this great life and is so full of joy is one of the most amazing and encouraging things. So just really excited for you to hear it.
1: Yeah, she had some just really great advice in here for CHD parents that really impacted me, and, and the number one thing she reiterates over and over again is that, you know, she is more than her CHD, and our children are more than their CHD, and she kind of goes into different ways that, that we can reiterate and encourage that in our ch- children's lives, so let's jump in and hear from Leticia.
0: Great. Great. Leticia, it's so good to talk to you today. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. Welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. So for folks who may not know much about you or your story, could you just kick us off, introduce us to you and just kind of tell us, our? let me just say that again, introduce us to you and tell us your story and tell us your connection to CHD.
2: Yeah, so I'm Letitia. I am 21 years old. I go to college here in Waco, Texas. I go to Baylor. And I personally was born with several CHDs. My main diagnosis is pulmonary atresia with intact ventricular septum. Um, And I have a few others, but I have a single ventricle, fontan circulation. So the short answer is I'm a patient.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Good. Yeah. And you're, uh, you're at Baylor now and what's your, what's your major?
2: I'm a public health major on occupational therapy.
0: Okay. Oh,
1: that's awesome.
0: Yeah. So you probably have some experience in your life with, with those kind of things.
2: Yeah. For sure.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, our son is single ventricle and, uh, he's hypoplastic right heart, but with, with other things too. But one of the biggest things that always is something that we're very excited about is just seeing a young adult, seeing an adult like yourself who is living with it and just kind of understanding your life and just seeing you and everything is just so encouraging. So yeah. we love just uh, seeing you and talking to you today. But yeah, how old were you when you got your surgeries?
2: So I was born and turned blue immediately. So okay. I got my first procedure like the day after I was born or the day of I'm not sure exactly but it happened basically immediately. Um, Then I had my last one when I was about five years old and another one in between I think about age three or four was another one. Uh, That's the three-step like Fontan single ventricle procedures. I also had some issues with my liver because of chyle drainage buildup of the fluids. So they had to drain that out and that was that was also in those years. So before age 5 was really where everything was happening and then I haven't had a major surgery since then just checkups and things like that.
1: Having all that done by age 5, I'm sure there's not a ton that you remember, but are there pieces of that that you remember that stick out to you?
2: I don't really remember anything. Also I, I have some, like, glimpses of memory, but I'm not sure if that's my brain messing with me or if it's an actual, like, memory from the hospital. Yeah. Um, I have one memory. I bet this is the last surgery because the other two was when I was really young. But mm-hmm. I remember, like, waking up in the hospital bed and seeing my dad and my mom. And then one night, like, it was late at night. And then the nurse came in, the doctor came in, someone came in and wanted to take, like, vital signs blood tests whatever it was like that's like some random memories i have Hmm. but i mostly remember like like a feeling or just some something was there Uh, i've also heard stories so everything is kind of just jumbled into one big mess of memories so right
1: yeah
0: Yeah. maybe just kind of starting out with with your experience as a as a child how do you think your chd or being a chd How did that impact your childhood?
2: So I'm happy because my parents didn't really make my CHD a quote-unquote big deal. Like, I knew that I had some heart thing and, like, it was a special heart. I will say I wish I knew more about it growing up, like, that I could name my condition and things like that, but... It wasn't made into a big deal in the sense like I wasn't ever told to my face, you can't do this, you can't do that. Like, I guess doctors have said things behind my back, but like my parents have never said anything to me. So I didn't really grow up thinking I couldn't do anything. um I guess the most negative memories are PE classes in middle school and such. That's when I really noticed that I was slower than other people, couldn't keep up more uh go for as long as them in eighth grade I stopped PE because my teacher was not understanding at all and he gave me a D even though you know I ran a mile in 20 minutes instead of like less than 10 so he said he would have failed me but instead he gave me a D like he was being nice enough to give a D or something but <laughs> I dropped the class, like the principal and I were friends. So he got involved and it it worked out in the end. But that's when I noticed like physical differences. So I didn't really like do any physical activities or sports or anything like that. Um, But in the last few years or so, I started working out and I really love working out. So that's like just me kind of taking that back and taking that control back, really. But otherwise, growing up... It was a fairly normal childhood, with the exception of yearly visits and medications that other people didn't have to take.
1: Right. Yeah. Hey, Tom, did you know we wrote a book?
0: What? (laughs) As parents of a child with CHD, we know that parents need all the help that they can get. And so one of the things that we did to help parents just like us is write a book it's called Hope and Courage six life lessons from the parents of a child with congenital heart disease and really we wrote this book to be like the thing that we wish we had when we started you know the lessons we learned along the way and we went through a really long journey to get to where we are multiple heart surgeries hospital stays uh, treatments and procedures and all kinds of things so we compiled all those things into a book with some great lessons that any CHD parent would need to hear to just help give them hope and courage through the process.
1: It's on Amazon right now, so make sure you check it out. The link will be in our show notes and on our website, TomcatHanson.com.
0: Yeah, that's something that, you know, I think that every, I think that we try to, but that's a balance we try. Our son's eight now. And you know we want to educate him. We want him to know about his CHD and and that he has a special heart. But we also don't want to make it the 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 sole thing that defines him as a person, right? And we want we don't want to like him to definitely think that it limits him in any way. And that seems like a, kind of a difficult balance to hit. Yeah. Have your parents ever shared anything with you about how they how they navigated that, how they found that balance with you?
2: I think they mostly just have told me that they didn't want me to think that I couldn't do anything. That's like the main thing, that I can still do everything. And for me, my defining trait in myself was never my CHD. Like that was always there, of course. It's part of me. It has made me who I am in many ways, but it wasn't, it's not the main thing. Like, and so I think that's really what made me who I am today, that I could do everything i still want reach all the potential i want to reach without you know having this thing like be a handicap almost and i think that's one sad thing in the chd community where this thing is turned into like, like this terrible this terrible outcome for the person like they think they can't do anything and it's almost an excuse for not trying in a lot of cases And I think we need to make sure that we remember that there are hardships that come with it, but also we can't change our circumstances. So I just say that I can't change my circumstances, so I'll try to use it for good and for the good of others and um, push through it and keep trying to do what I want to do to the best of my ability yeah that's great.
0: That's awesome. So you're obviously in like the public health, like you're getting you're you're learning and going into that career path is is your uh, experience with c h d is that informing where you're going with your career or anything, or do you feel like um this is just something that you're just passionate about, regardless?
2: I always had a fascination with hospitals and just like the medical setting. I know like a lot of people, when I tell them that they'd assume I'd run from hospitals given the history, but um, I really like the medical setting. so I knew I wanted to do something in the medical setting i'm also I also love public health just because I think we've seen in the past few years why how important it is. Mm. And so I really like that just to uh, you know, promoting prevention rather than. Everything gets bad, and then you deal with the issue. Mm -hmm. But um, I wanted to do occupational therapy specifically because I've had OTs when I was a baby, PTs, SOP, the whole roundup. Mm -hmm. And I just really love that they promote, like, all you're doing with that is helping the patient do what's meaningful to them and uh, helping with their activities of daily living, regardless of their circumstances, regardless of their. Conditions, whether mental or physical, mm-hmm. and in some cases, using those conditions for good and incorporating incorporating it into their lives. And I really love the idea of how, even though this person may be functioning differently or have to do things differently, different isn't always bad. And I think that connects mm-hmm. to me personally as a CHD patient because there's certain things that we do differently or you know, adapt just um, considering our circumstances. And that's not a bad thing. We just live a little differently because of it. And I really love that, uh, what that portion of it in occupational therapy.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that. That's so inspiring. And I think you're going to be able to bring mm-hmm. a perspective. I imagine like every other student who's taking that major, or who's going into that career, they're not going to have your experience. They're not going to know what you know mm-hmm. and And I think that's going to be so valuable for you and all the all the people that you're going to help, you know, Mm -hmm. because you're you can speak from this wealth of knowledge and experience from your own life. And I think that just helps you connect with people for sure. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, You're going to be able to like I've I've been I've experienced these things and just like. I think one of the most important things in the medical field is that empathy, just being mm-hmm. able to connect. And mm-hmm. and uh, I think you're going to be able to do that at a level that a lot of people aren't, which is super cool. What is, what's a, what's a day, this may sound totally like a weird question. So just, let's just, this is a safe space. We can ask <laughs> questions. Okay. Um, but I know this may sound kind of weird or just kind of like a, an insignificant thing, but what's a day in your life like what what is your what's it like going to classes and what are you what are your hobbies what are you passionate about i'd, I'd love to just hear that and again it's like you know i think every parent wants to you know if they see that their child would become like you that would just give them so much hope and courage right and i think so i'd love to just kind of learn more about like what's your daily life like now
2: yeah um <laughs> that's a hard question because i feel like it changes there's some routine but there's also not Um, usually I wake up and the first thing I do is read my Bible. That's the very first thing I always do. And that kind of goes into hobbies. I'm very involved in my church, kids ministry, um, Bible study on campus. I'm on a worship team for them. I'm in a worship choir. So singing and guitar is two of my passions as well. Um, I like to paint for fun, (laughs) things like that. But Yeah, usually after that, I like to work out, shower, do all those things and go to my classes. And my apartment is somewhat close to campus. I don't have a car, so I walk everywhere. And that's something that I thought I wouldn't be able to do just because, Mm -hmm. I don't know, I guess I just had this preconceived notion in my head, but I actually can walk everywhere. I do notice that when I am walking with friends and we're talking, I go out of breath than they do and I can't really like keep up with the conversation but honestly a lot of my friends are more talkative than I am so I'm a great listener in that happens but yeah I I love walking I like Baylor campus is so beautiful just this area is so I like walking everywhere I average maybe like 13k to 25k steps a day depending on like how much classes i have if we go to a coffee shop or whatever so yeah a lot of walking is in my day (laughs) day day-to-day basis and a lot of studying is there too and yeah that's really the main things in my life right now
0: that's super awesome i know that faith is a big part of your life. Could you speak a little more to kind of your faith journey and and how that um, has impacted your life and and kind of guides your life right now?
2: Yeah, so I went to a church camp summer of 2019 and really learned what relationship with God looks like rather than doing all the things to check off a list and this seeing something really genuine. And then from that, March 2020, not COVID related. <laughs> I just had a lot of free time and I was kind of avoiding my Calc work. So I really just decided to read my Bible. And then from that day on, I read it almost every single day. And that's really when it started. Um, I go to Baylor, which is a Christian university. So right. you can easily find some community you belong in. And so I met a lot of people and friends through there. And I think God really has taught me that he uses everything for his glory and for good, like Romans eight twenty eight says. And I think this whole CHD um, thing is a good example of that because it's not a great thing. Like, you don't want to be born with a heart condition. That's no one's parents' dreams, no patients' dreams, right? But to see what has come of that, and like you mentioned before, the difference in experiences, empathy, compassion in the medical field where... A lot of patients can be treated as lab rats almost. I think that's a different perspective that I have because of my experiences. Mm-hmm. And I told you before we recorded, like this is my third podcast, which is kinda crazy. And it all happened within a week. And so that is no doubt in my mind, God. Like when I when I sign up for things or when I like, you know, write something down it's almost instantaneous. Like I feel like I have to do it. I'm a big feeler in that way. And mm-hmm. so I go and do it. And then what came of that three podcasts? What came of it? A lot of community engagement, conversations with people and parents alike. Um, On Instagram, I've had parents like DM me and be like, oh, you're an adult with CHD. <laughs> you're mm-hmm. 21. You made it this far, right? And are really encouraged by that. And so all these conversations are I 1000% believe because God gave me um, this ability through this condition and used the circumstance to serve his people. So that's Mm -hmm. really my viewpoint from that.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. So a question for you. And this is one we often ask. You know, our, our audience is a lot of parents um, and I would say parents maybe who are just learning about their child's uh, condition, maybe just got diagnosed or they're early on in the journey. And so you being 21 years old and living this amazing life and uh, filled with so much you know, hope and courage. Um, I'm, I'm curious, what message would you share with maybe a parent who just learned about this condition with their child?
2: The easiest lesson to say is your child is more than their CHD. I mean, teach them about it help make sure they know the name of their condition and like that they can name um, a surgery or just like a general circulation of their heart, whatever it may be, right? But it's a view it positively. And I know that's hard to do, but see it as a special heart rather than a broken heart like the words you use around your children are very very important like Mm -hmm. i said i volunteer in the kids ministry and i can hear the conversations that these kids are having kids are very i mean they're they're an open book they say what what's on their mind Mm -hmm. and so i can hear like what they're saying about each other and themselves and then their intro and see the see their interaction with their parents and i can tell like where things are coming from. Mm -hmm. And so the words you use with your children are really important. They are understanding and listening to more than you'll ever know. I mean, they will hear some comment and they will remember it for a lifetime because it's very important how you speak to them and about them to other people as well. And so educate them about their condition, but they're more than that. Get them involved in whatever they want to do. And I know this is very hard to do, but... Don't be afraid let them play sports I mean they might be slower they might take a break but let them do it let them you know get involved with music or whatever they want to do even if it's a physical thing like let them do it they know their limits um and even as they grow up they know their limits and if they don't want to do something they're not going to do it so yeah. they they know more about their body than you do even yeah. if they're young And to really explain to them, especially before going to the hospital, and if a needle is involved or whatever, let them know. Tell them the truth. Don't sugarcoat anything, because then they're not going to trust that the hospital is a safe place, for example, and developed a lot of fears. If you say, oh, yeah, we're just going to go. He's a nice man. Nothing's going to happen. And then they get a needle in their arm they're not going to want to go back. So be truthful. Um, Don't scare them, but be truthful and honest with them and answer their questions. And remember that it's okay to say, I don't know. I think um, we try to answer all the questions, but it's okay to say, I don't know, and ask their doctor and involve them in these conversations. Mm. But the number one thing to reiterate is see them as more than just their CHD.
1: That's some really great advice you just shared. <laughs>
0: That's great. Yeah, man. We always have the segment of our show. It's called the bag of questions. And this is where I just grab random fun, kind of get to know you. This inspir- is the
1: bag, by the way. It's, it's a, a phone. It's a,
0: it's a file on my phone. Fu- All the listeners now know that I don't have a bag. You just, you just have. I'm let- sorry.
1: I ruined the magic.
0: That's right. Uh, no, I have a literal <laughs> velvet bag filled with with marbles that have questions written on. Okay, so I'm just gonna throw this out there and uh, just answer right off the cuff, okay? What's currently in your Netflix queue or what are you streaming right
1: now?
2: Oh, I'm watching In the Dark right now. I'm almost done with it, but my friends recommended Ginny and Georgia. I have no idea what that's about, but they recommended it. So that's next, I guess.
1: (laughs) Okay. In the Dark. What's In the Dark about? I don't think I've heard about it.
2: It's about a lot of things. But really this woman, she's blind and her friend gets murdered and he was involved with the like this whole drug thing in Chicago. So she's really just going through all it's basically a mystery. She's trying to figure out like who killed him, what happened, and what's really going on beneath the surface in Chicago. It's really interesting. That but it's a lot really of things cool. happening. Yeah. That's
1: <laughs> great. I love shows
2: like that.
0: Yeah, that's great. Do you like the kind of like real crime kind of stuff? Or do you like kind of light, fun things usually when you're, when you're picking your shows?
2: I guess it really depends on the show. I don't like extremely hardcore like prime shows. I think they're kind of boring sometimes. But mm-hmm. if it's like a drama series kind of, then it's a little more interesting.
0: Okay. Gotcha. All right. Uh, okay, next one. What's your spirit animal?
2: Oh, gosh. <laughs> right off of the bat, I wanted to say dog just because I have a dog and I love him. So <laughs> he's my spirit animal.
1: There you go. I love it. He's a, It can be your animal. It's a very it specific
2: yeah, animal. It's, yeah. it's just him. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, last one. If you were writing your autobiography, what would the title be?
2: Oh my gosh. Okay, that's so funny because I have a friend who wrote a book about her chd experiences and i had like a random title come to me one day and i put heart of christ following jesus in the midst of battling congenital heart disease and i just wrote that down on my phone for literally no reason but it was supposed to be an autobiography type so there you go <laughs>
1: i love it Damn. she already had the answer
0: you had that ready to go
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: awesome
0: Letitia, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Um, This was an awesome, awesome conversation. I love just hearing your story and just uh, it's just such an inspirational life that you've lived. And I'm very excited about where you're going with your career and the people that you're helping. And that's all so great. Um, I love just hearing the message again to think of your child of more than just their CHD, right? To find that balance of educating them and being truthful, but also just letting them have as many opportunities as anyone else and know that there's more that defines them than just their CHD. And so um, that was just such a great message to hear. So thank you so much for sharing that.
1: Letitia is just such a great person. I'm so honored that she took the time to talk to us on the podcast, and I really learned so much from her. Uh, One of the things that stood out that she said uh, was that she doesn't use chd as an excuse to not do anything um and that her parents didn't really do that with her either as a child you know they they never said that there was anything that she couldn't do uh and so i think that that gave her a really positive outlook on life and and the possibilities that it had for her
0: yeah i think one of the questions we get the most is how do i talk to my kid about it you know, mm-hmm. like what's the way to uh, address it with them? And uh, we've definitely been dealing with that a lot right now as mm-hmm. we've written the book and have the podcast. We've got a an eight-year-old, um, Harding, who is, is hearing all of these things. And in some ways, it, it we can tell it makes him feel important, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, but we also can see like it, it can go to a little too far, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Harding at one point was like, walking around introducing himself like hi i'm harding i uh have, i had three i had three heart surgeries hi i'm harding and three heart surgeries three heart surgeries Harding." and we're like okay you know that's not the only thing that makes you special right and, um, me-
1: and meanwhile our oldest audrey was like well i haven't had any heart surgeries so yeah how do i she was telling people that she had ear problems when she was little you know like because she thought that like the thing that was medically wrong with you is the thing you're supposed to
0: introduce yourself with. So it's complicated and we're, yeah. we're wrestling through it. But, yeah, um, you know, I think I loved hearing her story and because and, I've also seen the other side. Mm-hmm. I've seen where you just pretend like it's nothing and that there's no surgery or mm-hmm. and there's no procedure. There's nothing different. But then something inevitably happens like you need to get a, a procedure or something a, a diagnosis, a medication and then and then you're really just shocked mm-hmm. and
1: develop anxiety.
0: You get a, the rug ripped out from under you yep. um, because this thing that you've been kind of ignoring has just come back in full force right. And I think for us, the best way I could describe the way that we approach this whole thing and the way that's worked the best for us, is like this Goldilocks approach,
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) you
0: know, where it's like, we don't talk about it too much and make it too much of an emphasis. We don't talk about it too little and ignore it. It's just trying to find that sweet spot where we're aware, we know it's there, we know what's going on, um, but we also are not making it Um, the uh, like the number one thing in our lives.
1: I think it would. I think it's important here to maybe give some examples of how we do that because it can be tough to know, like, what exactly is the boundary line. And I think, you know, something we do with Harding is this kid is a a verbal processor. He talks constantly, which means he has a lot of questions all the time about everything. Sometimes those questions are about his CHD. Uh, and we are open and honest with him about his CHD. You know, I, I, I personally try to make sure he knows what his diagnosis is so that he can repeat it if needed um, and tell him the names of his surgeries. But because he's eight, you know, I'm never going to go into the detail of what those surgeries were like you know, for us as a family. And I'm never going to tell him like, or I shouldn't say never, but at this point at, because he's eight, I'm not going to go into gory details about anything. I'm going to look for what is the age appropriate um, information that I can give him right now. Right. Um, And the same with Audrey when she has questions. Um, So I think that that's how we try to avoid talking about it too much. You know, we, aren't bringing it up to him unless it's absolutely necessary. We, uh, I always let him know whenever there's a doctor appointment coming up because I want him to emotionally, mentally be prepared for it. I like him to know what's going to happen at that appointment. Um, he feels safer when he has those details.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I think you do a good job of, you know, when he does go to those appointments, we encourage him to have questions for his doctor.
1: Yeah, I try to let him actually lead the appointment now more yeah. so than that.
0: Yeah, and that, yeah. that takes a lot of practice in setting up. You know, ahead of time, we have to go like, we, you know, let's write down some questions for your doctor. What Because you have an appointment coming up. So mm-hmm. we want him to be a part of that. But I think, you know, so we we try to be very honest about what he's going to expect. So there's no surprises.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: No surprises, I think, is a big way that you can do this. And yes. I, I think Leticia was talking about that. Yeah. Just like
1: you need to build trust there. I mean,
0: I love that she said that she's comfortable in a hospital setting. And I think that's what we want with all of our kids, that it's not a place of anxiety and fear, right? Mm-hmm. It's a place of, of learning and growth and, and healing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you, you always, you know, this is a thing, like we, a, a $8 piece of plastic from Target, you know, isn't, doesn't have a lot of value to us, but man, for Harding,
1: it is a huge motivator. It's
0: like we will take you to Har-
1: <laughs>
2: We will
0: take you to Target, and you can pick out something after like big appointments. And that's like he he will literally come up to us like, "I got any big appointments coming up? Uh, anything? <laughs> yeah. anything uh, I got my eye on something at Target." You yeah. Know?
1: This literally like the other day, I told him that he had to go. We had to go to the doctor to get a blood draw, and he said, "Yes." <laughs>
0: <laughs> and again, I you know. We could be creating some other issue, (laughs) but, but our biggest goal is that he would view the hospital visit as a positive in a place where he's getting better. And I think the other thing that we try to do is we try to normalize everything that he's dealing with, you know, like we try to really show him like, Hey, mom and dad take medication every day. Yeah. Oh, Audrey had to get a, a procedure. Mom and dad are getting surgery. You know, and like we just highlight those things to him. So just show him that you know, you're you can't throw a stone to find someone nowadays who isn't taking some kind of medication, has some kind of allergy or condition mm-hmm. or you know, and that's just that's the world that we live in, which is fine and great. And I think it's a way for our kids just to know, Oh, this is just my thing, but mm-hmm. you got your thing and you got your thing and you got your thing. But yeah, you know, that's that's just And I think that's a that's a big thing that we've tried to do to to help him kind of just understand what what condition he has, but just not make it the big main
1: thing. Right. Yeah. And I think the boundary with like talking about it too little would be like not really answering his questions when he has them. You as the parent, you your gut is your best barometer there. You know, maybe do some reading on like child brain development i know that that we've read a book called the um whole brain child that really helps with knowing what is age appropriate information um so definitely check that out yeah you know you you i think instinctually will be able to feel what's too much and too little um and if there are questions about it you know there's research that you can do to to find where those limits are Yeah, absolutely. That's our episode for today. Thank you so much for listening. In addition to this podcast, we have lots of other resources to help support, encourage, and equip CHD parents. These can all be found at TomandKatHanson.com. You can follow us at TomandKatHanson on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, please rate, follow, and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you listen to it on. It really helps this project grow. With that, we'll talk to you next time.